and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Hey, are you ready for the word? So good. You know what? I, I believe that, you know, sometimes we come in on a Sunday night and it's just a Sunday night service, but I believe God can do anything. You never know when it is that night that God's going to minister you in the right way. You never know when it is that He's going to release that dream. You never know, high schooler, when He's going to give you that moment when you say, you know what, when I was in a, a service on a Sunday night, I was year 10, and there was this guy from South Africa preaching with a loud voice, and you know what, God told me I'm going to do this with my life. You never know when that moment is going to hit, and I'm trusting that we're going to have those moments tonight. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank You for tonight. We thank you that it is a good night to be in your house. We give you all the honor and all the praise for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, we align ourselves with you. We get in alignment for what you want to say. We keep in step with the Spirit for the next few moments. And Lord, we give you all the honor for what you're about to do tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, let me grab a sip of water and let's go for it. If you've never heard me preach before and you're wondering what's going to happen for the next 25 to 30 minutes, I don't know. As I said, I'm South African. All things are possible. You never know. In a few minutes, we might be, you know, getting some flags and circling, you know, the auditorium. You never, never know. But here goes. The title of my message is A Tale of Two Trials. A Tale of Two Trials. Pastor Christie preached a message last week called A Tale of Two Questions. So I've nabbed that title a little bit, and, uh, but mine is called A Tale of Two Trials. In 1 Peter 4, we see Peter say this. He's talking to a persecuted church, and he says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed." James says the same thing, but he puts a bit of a more positive spin on it. In James chapter 1, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Without getting too deep, a trial is simply a life experience, a challenge, a sense of adversity, or a battle. Now, the trial I'm talking about tonight, ladies, is not your husband struggling to take out the trash or not cutting the lawn in time or, you know, what if your missus doesn't want you to get out on that golf round over the weekend? I have really awesome why she actually lets me get out there um, quite a bit. Um, But the, the trial I'm talking about is when we go through things. It could be moments of pain. It could be real moments of challenge. It could be a job situation where I believe you have two choices. One, you can choose to do it with or without God. And where your response, your attitude and disposition will ultimately be challenged. And I'm going to draw a parallel just for a little bit of two pictures that we see in the Bible. And we see two different dispositions. The one is the picture of the Red Sea. And the other one is where David actually meets Goliath. At the Red Sea, we see them leave Egypt and that they have a little bit of an exodus and they enter this moment where in front of them is the Red Sea and behind them 
is a uh, Egyptian army coming their way. So they are ultimately trapped. The second situation is we have a little shepherd boy who's on the backside in the field. He's not even selected to be in the Israelite army. And we see them, it says that he was at war with the Philistine. And there's this actual giant named Goliath. Historians say that he was actually about nine foot six, right? So he was, he was a pretty legit basketball player. And it says this, that every day, none, not a single person in the Israelite army wanted to fight him. Not a single one. And it says day by day, he came taunting. He said, who's going to take me on today? So you got this nine foot six guy saying, it's me, hi. I'm the problem, it's me. That's my little tie. I've been watching, listening to too much Taylor Swift, guys. So. But we have these two pictures, right? We have the Red Sea and David and Goliath. And I'm just going to read two of these passages, one from Exodus and one from 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll go to Exodus. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and encamped at the sea by Pihahiroth in front of Baal Zephon. Funny story, there was an actual pastor in South Africa that I knew when he, when he got to those words, he literally went by in front of Baal because he just said, I'm not going to even bother pronouncing them. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Wow, what a, what a mouthful. Let's look at David. In 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel chapter 17, he says this, And the Philistine Goliath moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give you your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give you, I'll give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and all, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Wow, what a parallel of two different responses. We see two tests equally defining because the ultimate output is death, right? So in the Red Sea, they're going to die. Uh, David and Goliath, if he gets slain, he's dead, right? And the reason I use these as I was preparing this week, and I thought, why are these stories so appealing to me? And the reason I use them is not because necessarily the one is better than the other to name and shame, but I've realized that I've been on both ends of the spectrum before. I didn't tick all the boxes. I'm not always in super, super David mode, right? Sometimes I get in a little bit of, you know, 
exodus mode and start asking questions and blurting out little things of anger. But you know what? I thought that I would just get out four things that we can do for these two stories. The first one is this. Fear is a foe, not a friend. Fear is a foe, not a friend. Fear is an enemy of the soul. Fear demobilizes. Fear kills faith. And fear ultimately kills your trust in God. It is an ultimate killer. You know what I, I love? The very next time, or after the Exodus passage that we read, the next thing, Moses cries out to God, and God says, why are they crying out to me? Tell these people to what? To move forward. Now listen, they're in front of the Red Sea, and God is telling them to move forward. And I always read that, and I thought, you know what? This might just be a little bit of an encouragement. It actually wasn't. I actually think that God was addressing their fear, because I believe they were so immobile they were so paralyzed. The Bible actually said they feared greatly. The truth is this, trials will reveal what's already in your heart. When trials come, it's not like all of a sudden, oh, there's this new thing that pops up. No, it tests what is already in there. Trials will ultimately test three things. They will test your faith. They will test your gifts and your identity. And they'll test your character. Because the thief ultimately comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what? I, um, I love this blurt out that they literally just go. He goes, is it not this that we would have said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. My gosh. As this verse in 1 John 4.18, it says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for love has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What a convicting passage. I believe that the Israelites were shaped by fear, but David had a heart that was shaped by God's love. David had a heart that was shaped by God's love. You know what, um, as I mentioned, I immigrated from South Africa in 2017, and it's been about five years um, since we, uh, I'm living here now, and um, that obviously means that I've been away from my mom and my dad, and for the last probably three to four years, they've gone through a very, very challenging time. My mother has had health challenges, financial challenges, school challenges. My dad has had a similar um, situation with his health, um, with job. He lost his job about two years ago, and he was near retirement, and he sort of took it like, oh, okay, I might as well retire. <laughs> but every day, I had this wave of fear that would hit my life. Like, literally, I would wake up in the morning, and I would feel like this wave of fear. Are they okay? Is my mom going to... You know, even going to that point to go, wow, is, could, 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 it be my, could it be my dad's last day? Like literally just waves of fear coming over me. And this verse, I literally had to pick it up and declare it and said, there's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. God loves me so much. God loves my mom so much. God loves my dad so much. He's going to care for them and look after them. The second thing is this. He sized up the trial against his God. He sized up the trial against his God. Verse 45 says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and with spear 
and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So many times when we go through a trial, when we go through a challenging moment, we size up our trial against our own strength. We size up our trial against our own capability, against our own resources. And the picture that I get is a wane. You know, when you, get, when you get the MMA or the boxer MMA and they stand up against each other, you know, and they, they, they go in for it and they taunting all kinds of things and saying all kinds of bombs that I will not mention on this stage. But I'm going to try to give my best MMA and boxing uh, analogy. Are you ready for it? In the left corner, weighing in at 210 pounds is anger, shame, condemnation from Tuskegee, Alabama. (laughs) There you go. But I feel, what would the commentator, if he was weighing the God himself, what would he say? I believe that he would be short on words because the height of our God's greatness cannot be measured. The weight of his power cannot be put on a scale. Why? Because when my depression faces against God, when my anxiety faces against God, when my sickness faces against God, it stands no chance. And we see this, David going, you come to me with sword and spear, with natural weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. I even love Paul takes this, he takes a little bit of this in, he takes this, this, this weighing and he puts it together. And I love in 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But get this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give God a round of applause for that one. Thanks be to God for the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And my third point is this. He remained confident of victory. He remained confident of victory. Verse 46 says, This day, not tomorrow, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Wow, that's full on. And I feel that when it comes to confidence, and a sense of assurance that God's going to come through, I believe we can enter lots of theological debate. Is it the right time? Will God do it? You know, do I have enough faith? And faith is important. But I feel that, you know, you you get those people, oh, so you're just saying, I'm going to say some things and God's going to come through. Touche, maybe not. Does it just mean that I wave a wand and God just does something? No. But what I've realized is this, that no matter whether the victory is on the inside or whether that victory is on the outside, I'm staying confident. I'm not sitting back and going, I wonder if God's going to come through. Oh, maybe I should just sit back and relax and wonder. No, no, no. I am confident of the victory that God's going to bring. I love this point um, in verse 48, and it says, 
about this about David. It says, when the Philistine arose, so Goliath was getting ready for battle, it said, David ran quickly toward the battle line. He ran quickly toward the battle line. You don't do that when you are fearful. You don't do that when you are not confident. You only do that when you have courage and when you are confident in the victory that God's gonna bring. So I don't know what the report is over your life, whatever that challenge might be. Can I, can I challenge you? Take it on with confidence. Take it on with faith. Oh, what if I fall? Oh, probably not, because God's faithful. He'll uphold you. And you know what? Even if there is that moment where you need community, what an awesome church to be in, to encourage you and to keep stirring you on. When I go through a challenging time, um, my wife will tell you that I actually go very silent. I go very silent. Babe, what are you thinking? Nothing, nothing. Leave me alone. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But actually, I'm scared. Actually, I'm worried. And the lesson that I have learned in times of trial is don't stay silent. Don't stay silent. And yes, I'm referring to a sense of community and being encouraged by people. But the, the, the deafening silence that I'm talking about, I'm talking about it directly to the enemy. I'm talking about when those taunts come because it says that David, I mean, the Goliath, he gave his best shot. He said, who's going to take me on? He said, I'm going to kill you. And David said, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> you're not. Sometimes you've got to talk back to the enemy when you have those taunting thoughts. You've got to have the Word of God ready. Why do you think we have a Bible reading plan? Just to have a cool app? No. Because we want the Word of God to dwell richly in us. I love the book of Revelation. I don't have the quote right now, but it says that this is Jesus and it says, out of the mouth of Jesus comes the word of God sharper than any two-edged sword. Here's God himself, the word of life himself, still declaring the word of God. How much more frail humanity, how much more people one day we up, one day we down, that we should be declaring the word of God over our lives. You know what, my um, awesome wife, Carol, who I uh, was just over there, um, <laughs> she, she went through a very, very trying health situation for quite a while. And it was a journey that I could only support to an extent, right? You know, it was like, oh, how, how do I get involved? You know, it was even a learning journey for me, you know, connecting with my wife's emotions, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And you know what? There, there came a time when we were getting different opinions, medically and professionally, right? And we had to get to a point where we drew the line in the sand and we said, what is our confidence? I know they're saying all these things, and yet those are factual. They exist. But what do we say about the situation? What do we believe God can do in the situation? And how far are we going to stretch ourselves to say, God, our faith is in you. And you know what? We've seen God do some awesome things. My wife is doing so much better. She's doing awesome. And babe, I love you. So the first thing is fear is a foe, not a friend. 
Second, he sized up the trial against his God. The three, he remained confident of victory. And the fourth thing that I can learn from David is that the battle is ultimately God's. The battle is ultimately God's. In verse 47, he says, the battle is the Lord's. All through scripture, we see this, the battle is the Lord's. Moses, even in that same passage a few verses later, he reminds them that the Lord will fight for you. This whole sense of the battle is ultimately God's or the battle belongs to God. I gave my life to Jesus um, in 2008, so I've been a Christian for a little bit of time. And, um, but this verse has always just messed with my mind a little bit, right? I was like, what does this really, really mean? Should I be doing something? Shouldn't I be doing something? You know, you know, people are like, no, no, no. You know, you do your part and God will do his part. I love that quote. People love that quote. And it's true. But I'm like, what does this actually mean in the context of what we're doing? And I, I've sort of discovered that it means two things. One, God is in it and he's supernaturally doing something. So he's somewhere in there, right? He's doing it all. But the second thing is this, which I think is quite important. I only need to do as much as he tells me to do. I only need to do as much as he tells me to do. So if he tells me to stand still, I'm going to stand still. If he tells me walk around Jericho six times and on the seventh time have a praise party, that's what I'm going to do. And I feel that when we meet challenge, when we meet opposition, we always want to get our butt in the way, right? But Lord, what about this? But Lord, what about that? And we start semi-taking things into our own hands. Okay, God, you say, stand still. Oh, but maybe I will do all this kind of stuff. God, you telling me, walk around it for seven days. Oh, maybe I'll try walking on an eighth day as well, just in case you need a little bit of assurance. I feel that when the battle is the Lord's, all we need to do is what He told us to do. So, um, how we met actually, um, Kel um, lived in South Africa for a little bit. Um, was that 2014 you came back? Yeah. So that's how we met. We worked in the same church. Um, and you know what? I saw her from across the room. I was like, hey, girl, how are you doing? And, uh, <laughs> and eventually... Kel was there for about a year. Um, she felt, or she actually just felt that the door was closed and it was time to come back home. And she had an awesome job and that she said it's the right time to come back. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't think. I don't think I'm ready for this. And we went into a long, long, long distance relationship. She was in Australia. I was in South Africa. And there was just a big, big gap. And we had a beautiful moment, actually. She was in church over here. I was in church in South Africa. And the same Sunday morning, you know, accommodating time zones, in the same service, same morning, we were both surrendering each other to God. Just saying, God, you know what? If, if, you, if, if, if Carl's not the right guy, I'm like, if Carl's not, you know what, Lord, just... Just you have your way and you have your will. And that same day, in that moment, I felt God say, stand still and hold your position. Stand still and hold your position. And I had a thousand questions going through my mind about immigration and 
how am I going to afford it and moving countries. And at that time, I had no money. I was earning like nothing, right? Um, but you know what? I took that on to say, I only need to do what God tells me to do. And that will be enough. And we went on the journey. We went through long distance. It was amazing. And you know what? It, I mean, long, long story short, I sound very much like Donald Trump there. It's amazing. <laughs> but, but you know what? I'm here five and a half years in. I've traveled back in, to Australia and South Africa multiple times. And God has worked it all out and we married in a beautiful marriage this day. Why? Because I just did just what God told me to do. I'll close with this thought. The battle is ultimately God's. I said the first point is that God is working in it supernaturally. The way David killed Goliath was with a sling. And it said that he drew five smooth stones from the brook, which represents God's grace or the number of grace in God's favour. But what I find amazing about the five smooth stones is that he only needed one. He put the stone in there, he flung it back, and he went, expecto! No, that's not what he said. <laughs> that's not what he said. That's not what he said. He pulled that sling and that stone, and it said it landed right in the middle of Goliath's forehead. One stone, because he did what God told him to do. I don't know where you're at at this moment, whether you feel like your challenge is overwhelming you, whether you're riddled with fear, whether you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you're going through the trial of your life. Maybe you have sickness in your body. Can I tell you today that God is your defender, that no matter what you're going through, He is enough. And I'll leave you with this question that we can all reflect on, and that is this. What is your attitude or your disposition in trial? What are you saying and what are you believing to be true about yourself and about God? Because He's working it out. <laughs> That's the good news. He's working it out. And you know what? As we close this, as Pastor Brad said, the final, I'm going to call it an encounter service, man, just for these next few moments. Why don't you let this next few moments just be a moment that you connect with God. And if I can ask you to stand to your feet. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.